Hello, Mixed Nut Cases. This is Nuke Chas. This is Nutty from the Future. So my voice does not match the rest of this episode. This is part two of our, what is it, directors that keep us watching episode. So I'm going to lay out the rules uh, just as a bit of a remix of last uh, episode. So uh, yeah, previously on Nutty Bites. Do, do, do. We're going to be talking about directors and we'll get into the hows and the whys in a moment. But first, as always, hi, I'm still tech. And we've invited our good friends, Jason. Hi, I'm PG Rick. Uh-huh. And Vox. I'm at best PG 13. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about directors and there's a million podcasts out there that will talk to you about good cinema. Cinema. Classic directors <laughs> that everyone needs to watch. Absolutely. There's a bunch of podcasts that'll go into the depth of the artistic merit and everything else that you care about when it comes to directors. What I want to talk about is when you see a, a trailer and it said, and you're looking at it and you're trying to decide, is this something I'm interested in? And then you see directed by. And if that directed by makes you say, yes, I'm going to watch that. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about directors that make us watch their movies. These aren't the best directors. We're not trying to say that these are the masters of the craft and that everybody else is garbage. These are our favorites. We're not saying they're the best. And while we're talking about our favorite directors, mm -hmm. let's acknowledge the worst movie they ever did. And as Jason would say, and on that note, the rest of the story. Third okay, so I uh, I already sort of popped the cork on uh, Stanley Kubrick, so I'm just going to ignore that one. We're going to push that aside. You're not going to do that one? You're, you're changing your mind? You're going to pull us... Uh, a Vox I, and just I am, uh, I'm mention gonna, I, one and move on. To I am else. going to gotcha. call my second Audible. That's right. That's right. It is my 17th Flea Flicker play in a row. Only Jason knows what those words mean. Yes, that's right. Only Jason knows what that means. But it's, you know what? Here's the joke here. Here's the rule of humor. If it was funny once, it's funny every time. And do you know what's better than a Flea Flicker on the first down? The Flea Flicker on every down. All Absolutely, right, Johnny. Football. Okay, so I need to bring up old school, my man, Ridley Scott. Mm -hmm. All the way mm -hmm. back to movies like The Duelists, which uh, we still if, haven't seen. Which I still need to see. You are correct, but I've watched a lot of the scenes from. But the idea, the thing is, it's a story about French duelists in the 1700s or early 1800s. But it has some of the most realistic swordplay you've ever seen in a movie. The thing about about Ridley Scott, what what really sort of blows my brain, is that every single movie is sort of shot in a different fashion, and how he uses his cameras and how. He, um, he does his movies and, you know, things like the original Alien and Dune and Blade Runner and even commercials like that 1984 Macintosh ad where they throw the monitor at the screen, which they made fun of on Futurama <laughs> where everyone will be eaten by squirrels. And then they, they throw the, they, they throw the, the monitor. Um, I love Ridley Scott movies, um, or at least those ones. Um, and the fact that he's able to create entire worlds with his camera and with his visualization and tie them together in some ways that everybody else sort of feeds off of. So Alien is a franchise that we all know. And we all, we all, I don't think there's one among us that hates the Alien franchise. We all love the Alien franchise. It's great. No, they're the Wait. worst. Huh? They're the worst. They're the worst, They're the right? Worst. Okay. Blade Runner is another franchise that we all know and love. And Blade Runner is sort of the genesis of at least the visuals of what we know of as cyberpunk. I mean, and all because of a guy named Sid Mead. We have to agree <laughs> that Sid Mead was the visual artist that created the world that Ridley Scott then shot in film. Okay. A huge Sid Mead fan, by the way. Anyway. But I mean, don't forget, um, uh, Oh gosh, the the character designer, or the designer for Alien franchise, um, Geiger, Geiger, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Ridley Scott did amazing things thanks to Sid Mead and Geiger, and, and Geiger because he had artists that 
helped him shape the world that he was in. And there's no problem with that. You're a director. You're the guy behind the camera. There are people in front of the camera. You need artists and you need actors and you need uh, costume designers and set dressers and people to make your world real. So to go like artists like Giger from Holland and to go to Sid Mead from California and say, I hope he's from California, and then say, I need you to make this for me. And then they go, okay. And they make a world. Then that's great. But the genius is that with just two words, the words Wayland Utani, he ties his movies together. And it's acknowledged as canon in both worlds that the Blade Runner world and the replicants from Blade Runner are the replicants from Alien. And all of a sudden, those two franchises, which are hundreds of years apart, all of a sudden, they make more sense. Now, Ridley Scott isn't perfect. He did do things like a bunch of movies I haven't seen, a bunch of movies I didn't like that other people may have liked, but things like Thelma and Louise, eh. Uh, That was... A pretty uh, important, pivotal, right. important movie. Yeah. You're you're not the target audience, Tech. That's okay. No, I am not. Gladiator? Yeah. I don't like Listen, Russell Crowe that much. I've been holding back the joke of whenever you watch a Ridley Scott movie, you have to ask yourself, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Kingdom of Heaven? Because I saw a Gladiator in theater. I loved Gladiator. And I also owned Kingdom of Heaven on DVD. I just... I don't know. It just well, uh, remember House he, of Gucci. Yeah, and the oh, that new one with oh, and it's got um, it's got um, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. And yeah, Lady Gaga. Yes. Well, he remember, father, he also, son, and House of Gucci. I I kind of want to see that. I want to see where it goes. He directed American Gangster. Yeah, yeah, and he directed The Martian. He made Matt Damon great. I, and and Prometheus and Covenant and I I will okay. fight all of you that don't like those two movies because they're okay. great. You can't. I, I have a movie that's off off limits to say is his worst. Mm-hmm. He directed Nick Cage and Matchstick Men. <laughs> Matchstick Men is excellent. Um, he he also directed Black Hawk Down, which is a surprise <laughs> to me. <laughs> no, also I think I know. Yeah, Jane, guys. Yeah. What? No, Dang. I know what his worst movie is, and I haven't seen it, but I know what it is because I hate him for it. Which one? Uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. I believe that's the one where he refused yeah. to hire a non-white cast and said nobody's going to come to this to a movie to see the leading car- actor Mohammed Mohammed. Right. For it. But he yeah. ended up. Oh, maybe it's a different one. I, I, I'm not seeing it on. No, 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 no. No, I know he, he, he said that, but I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember him then casting some unpronounceable Dutch name. And I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> um, but the, we have a problem with Mohammed Mohammed. You're just a racist. What's real? No, no, no. Hold on. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. He doesn't, this shows you he does not understand the people he casts in movies because he cast Sir Ben Kingsley in that movie. Yeah, and but white people have not, accepted him. They tried to, but spoiler alert, he ain't white, y'all. Right, but white people have accepted that. And Wait, we've yeah. all discovered that. Tony Slattery? <laughs> yeah, Trevor Slattery. <laughs> Trevor Slattery? <laughs> I love that guy. Oh, you'll that, never that, say it coming. Switch. Look, that that still remains one of my favorite reveals in all of the MCU. But yeah, you're, you're, you're oh, the, the Mandarin, the the Mandarin mm. reveal. Okay, one. I gotta say, one taking an Asian stereotype and turning the Mandarin into Osama bin Laden. One amazing twist, brilliant because and? he's an Asian supervillain. I love it. And then to have the twist where it's Tony Slattery. Trevor. Trevor Slattery. An Indian guy. The Indian guy that played Mahatma Gandhi and won awards for it. Even better. And then Hail to the King, the short that then tells us that there's a real Mandarin out Mm -hmm. there and he's mad. Go watch Shang-Chi. Yeah, go watch Shang-Chi. The fact that they turned the Mandarin, which was a racist stereotype in Marvel Comics into a social commentary head figure against America's forever wars. 
Mwah. Chef's kiss. Uh, w- w- wonderfully well but done. None but, of this has to do with Ridley Scott. No, because that was one of the first questions I asked. It's like, hey, can I talk about Kevin Feige? He's like, no, <laughs> he's a producer, not a director. So we can't talk about the Marvel movies, but we're just going to all be quiet. Well, now. I mean, if you chose John Favreau, you could. Oh my God, John Favreau does so much good work, doesn't he? That's kind <laughs> of an easy choice. And I'm we got- wouldn't have Kevin Feige wouldn't have gotten his paws on anything if John Favreau hasn't changed the way Marvel did movies when he did Iron Man. Yep. And if you talked about John Favreau, you could talk about Chef, but that's not one of my favorites. Yes, Chef. Jason, second choice. Oh, this was a toss-up. Um, I'll have to say, you know what? I'll go with him now because I know I'm going to have the most to say about him and I don't want to cram him at the end. So we're going to just go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will fight anyone who says he's not perfect. His film career right now is four movies and they are perfect. They are excellent. You would be hard pressed to find anyone in Hollywood history who after four movies has, has, that the, bo- has the box office draw of their name. Yeah. Like I don't think even Spielberg, which is royalty. I don't think there's, I don't think there's another name that after four movies you put, you know, this person presents. You or evolve. directed by this, it's, huh? <laughs> you evil. <laughs> yeah, I, he's I, the opposite side of that coin. Yeah. Oh, there is there oh, is sorry. no one that has the draw that Jordan Peele does because his movies are all amazing. Mm. Also, yeah. um, he's only directed three movies. No, yeah. well, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because like he he he, I think he helped write Keanu, but he did not direct yeah, it. He didn't direct it. Um, so he's only done three. But in baseball, nope, terms, Get Out and. Us. Uh, us. us. Right. It, yeah, it's get out, us, nope. And let's be honest, in baseball terms, he's batting a thousand. Mm-hmm. Now, he was originally slated to direct the new Candyman. Oh! But he passed that on. He I still wrote it. it and he passed it on. And I am, that is a director I'm very excited about. I am really excited to see so, her next project, which is, we're going back to Marvel, The Marvels. So, Here's a question that I ask when I talk about when when I talked about Quentin Tarantino, I asked who of this generation has shaped movies more so than the question I have for Jordan Peele is who has represented his people in a film better than Jordan Peele, right? Because you have so many different type of directors, whether it be Italian Jalo films, Western films, you know, American style gangster films, whatever. But Jordan Peele's movies are so intrinsically black mm. that they can be polarized. Like, I'm going to be real with you. Y'all haven't seen Nope yet, but Nope is some of the blackest moments I've ever seen in film. Like, there's literally a scene where a character looks at something. Matter of fact, this scene is in Candyman, except yeah. it's not done. Nope. Where she looks down and it says, nope, and <laughs> leaves. It happens in the movie Nope, and it's excellent. Can, like, can I, oh, sorry. Go, 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 go. I was going to say, can I say also, uh, as the whitest person on this call, I don't feel alienated or hated by him when I watch the movies either. <laughs> yeah. He's so representation without hatred, right? Because yeah. there's, yeah, you mentioned Spike Lee. The Spike Lee would probably not talk to me, <laughs> right? I have a feeling I, I, think I would Nichols, have no problem. I, think, I know, I'm, but you look at you look at his films, and it seems like that sometimes. Whereas I think I think I'd have a wonderful conversation with Jordan Peele given the chance. I think uh, Spike Lee's a great example of uh, how sometimes directors uh, start to lose their magic, though. I just mm. I just don't really want to talk to Spike Lee because he's a Knicks fan. I mean, come on. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Say you know, from New York without saying you're from New York. When you bring up the Knicks and someone immediately... Hey, Bru- Brooklyn Nets is another great New Am York I team. Am I from Brooklyn? No. <laughs> <laughs> the accent came out and everything. Yeah, because you notice Brooklyn had a W in it. It was Brooklyn. Okay, you just stole that from a joke I said earlier today. I... Now you're stealing my material. <laughs> I'm stealing your bit. Um, come on, come on. They're across the water from each other anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one thing... <laughs> That was that was comical. Your attempt. Yes. The the one thing I I will say about Jordan Peele to bring to bring it back down a notch uh, about Jordan Peele is that for a guy who made his entire name on comedy, being part of the absolutely amazing comic duo of Key and Peele, 
to then go from absolute slapstick farcical comedy into jaw dropping horror. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the exact opposite. It's such a departure, but to be successful at both and to do both really, really well, um, is, is incredible. Um, what I like about what he's done in both comedy and the horror areas is if you watch Key and Peel and he did Mad TV and he did a whole bunch of other things, but if you watch those, he's always saying something. Always saying something about his culture, about his background, about where he comes from. A lot of Key and Peel is about the fact that both of them are mixed race and the the struggles of of being mixed race and or being light skinned and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then in horror, it is also saying something because there's a lot of great horror directors out there, but very rarely is horror saying something. Very rarely does it have an important message. And Jordan Peele is one of the few American directors, Jason notices I said American directors, that is able to do this and make that social commentary in bone-chilling horror. I mean, like, I know true, like, the hardcorest of film critics would listen to me and be like, oh my god, he didn't know anything. Blah, 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 blah. But my thing is, when you look at the careers of the greatest directors in all of cinema, none of them came out with three home runs back to back. But but to, but to carry on with what we're talking about, Jason, um, of the three, so uh, Nope, Get Out, and Us, which one's the worst? Which one's us. the stinker? It's by us? far. By okay. far, it's us. Okay, and why? I, why? Uh, because for, for having does, not seen any of them, because I'm horrible. Wh- why is <laughs> us? Why is us the worst? Because it has nothing to really say, or what it's trying to say is not as easily grasped as Nope and or Get Out. Get Out is obvious the easiest. Basically, I that's I love, the one where you get sucked into the couch. Yeah, it, us okay. or Get Out is the one that turns mm-hmm. microaggressions from white people who say they are an ally into horror tropes. Oh, yeah. Because there's a quote in that movie that I love so much. It's when the main character first meets his girlfriend's parents and the parent says to him, and I quote, you know, if I could, I would have voted for Obama a third term. And it's such a a subtle microaggression of racism Yeah, that most people don't even pay it attention. That to me is like... Um, yeah, I've got a lot of black friends, you know? Yeah, like, it's not, it's, it's I have excellent. a black friend. His name is Jason. Hi, Jason. Yeah, he's better than all the ones I could ever make ever. Like, but no, like, it's, it's like that line from some people, you're like, they're like, why does it matter? That's not, a, that's not important. That's not a bad thing. And then people who are like, oh, God, wow. Like, Nutty heard me say, no. oh, God. Okay. Ooh. If you, if you take it out of context, it could seem innocuous, but the delivery of it made it infinitely more creepy oh, as yeah. well. But, and he pulls really good performances out of actors that you recognize, but not for the being the best of actors. Like to, the, I, I can't recall that guy's name, but you've seen him in a dozen movies, and he was never as good as he was there. Oh, dude, it's um, I mean, let's be honest, right? Like he made a guy whose name starts with Lil to, to, uh, to, to bring Tex uh, pet peeve into this. He, <laughs> he made him, him into the greatest horror movie best friend ever. Mm. Lil Rel Howry is the best horror movie best friend ever. Um, I so also appreciate- I, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, actually, because I'm, I'm holding it in. <laughs> mm. Because Jason said there isn't a single director that started out with four movies or three movies in a row that were all fantastic. And my argument is the one that I'm not talking about because she didn't make the cut. I want you to hear these first four movies. Jumpin' Jack Flash, which maybe some of you are too young to have watched. Question. Big. Oh, that's question. Awakenings. A League of Their Own. I will give you Big, Jumping Jack Flash, and League of Their Own, but I will not give you Awakening. What is wrong with Awakenings? What is wrong with you? That's, that's Robin what, Williams. That's what Robin Williams. Julie Kavner. Uh, and, a coma victims, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 not coma, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, unresponsive. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- Because I, th- I am a hard critic on f- comedy because I'm not a huge fan of it. It's not a comedy. 
Exactly. Jumping Jack Flash, Big, and League of Their Own are comedies. And yeah, they are classic. Awakenings funny. is based on a true story. So, mm. so it was an amazing it, movie. So, amazing so is The Conjuring, but so, that doesn't mean it's, that's really the one good. thing, the one thing we've talked about is influences. Okay. Wait, well. but do you want to know oh. who did all of that? Oh, Cause sorry. I just yeah. said all of those. Yeah. Who's, who was that, Nutty? Your third director. No, it's not my third director. It's the one that didn't make the cut. Who didn't make the cut? Penny Marshall. So that's all Penny Marshall. Wait, uh, so, so, you know, so Laverne and is, Shirley. So what okay. you're saying is, so what you're saying is you're going to do like tech and you do, you could do like Vox and you're going to mention one, explain why, and then move on. So it well, is it's only because I'm well actually. Yeah. So, uh, the one, the one thing I was going to say I appreciate as well is, uh, Jordan Peele is someone who will acknowledge influences in his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there, the, the, uh, oh, what was it? Early, last month there was a, a breakdown on Twitter that came out into my feeds and I just looked it up again where somebody said he was the greatest horror director of all time after only three movies. And his response was, was beautiful. It was, sir, please put the, the phone down. I beg you. Sorry. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm, but I will not tolerate any John Carpenter slander. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny and it acknowledges one of the greatest in the genre yep. and right? and the thing is with that it shows you he's a student of the game mm-hmm. to quote mm-hmm. right because he's not oasis who's gonna say we're bigger than the beatles we're no no bigger no, no, no than jesus <laughs> you know like because let's be real i would say us draws parallels with the prince of darkness you know um i think nope Listen, I cannot wait for y'all to see Nope. Like, did you did you really like Nope? I really did. I really, okay. Really did. I'm only going to watch one. Am I watching Nope or Parasite? Ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> we're we're, we're okay. going to eventually watch Parasite, but Listen, we're delaying I, it, like heck, just look. edging for. I, uh, I know for I'm Jason breaking here. Listen, I know I'm breaking the order. Yeah. But my third director is Bong Joon Ho, who did Parasite. Like, <laughs> That's why I said, that's why I said, Jason, I said, American directors that are able to say something yeah. of social worth. Because wait for it. Parasite loves to take a crap all over rich, poor dynamics. And, uh, you know, they they did a, a Simpsons Halloween special where one of the skits <gasps> was a Parasite struggling. ripoff. So I don't need to watch the movie. I've watched the Simpsons rip. I'm good now. Listen, so. I you asking me which one you should watch. Yes. Uh, get out or parasite. I know no, your answer. It, I didn't say get out. I said nope or parasite. <laughs> oh, nope or parasite. The, okay, if it's nope versus wait, parasite. Wait, wait, Jason. I know your answer. Go ahead. Both of them. B o f f u m. Both of them. Oh, that's an inside joke. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> No, honestly, honestly, to real talk, if 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 I had to pick dollars to donuts, gun to my head, I would say Parasite because I put Parasite from Bong Jun Ho on the same level as Get Out, and Get Out is better than No. So right, why so going do you, to Bong Jun Ho now? So, but okay, so I want to ask. So then, why did you pick Jordan Peele over Bong Jun Ho? I, I, I picked Jordan Peele before Bong Jun Ho. Jun Ho, excuse me. Because one, I wanted to talk about him more, <laughs> and and two is because his library of films are not as clear cut as George Peele. Because again, he's only done three. Bong Joon Ho's done Snowpiercer, Mokja, mm. Parasite, Host, Mother. He's done uh, Tokyo. Oh, he did the screenplay. But never mind. Um, and he also did the screenplay for Host. He didn't direct Host, but um, no, uh, the Host he directed. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, how, how many of those have you seen, Jason? I own all of them except for uh, Okja. Because how many was of on them Netflix. have you? Okay, you own them. How many of them have you seen, Jason? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a question. Uh, have you I seen even, any of his shorts? No, none of his shorts. But I did hunt down Memories of Murder, which took me a while. Uh, it took me a while to find that one, but. He there's has, one called White Man that I really want to see. <laughs> this is first. <laughs> but um yeah. he he speaks to economic inequality like Jordan Peele speaks to the black the black lifestyle, the black problem, the black 
issue. Existence. Like, existence. Ex- experience. You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah, the black thank you. That's what I was looking for. The black mm-hmm. experience. He let's, speaks to let's yeah. let's have the white people on the call explain to the black people. I know, right? Let's the problem explain is to the black. Well, no. And this was this that's <laughs> not the, that's not what I was going for. No, no, no. I knew there was a word you were looking for. Exactly. It seemed to be the one. Exactly. Listen, the orator, the orator gave me a good word. Um, but no, like he speaks the, to the, the professional, the professional communicator found look, the word for look, us. And thank despite you. Despite the fact, despite the fact that you will claim because I like reasonably spicy food, and my skin dries out. I am still the whitest person on this call. I love how that's like a badge of honor for you right now. He likes spicy food and he ashy, but he's still white as heck. See, I understand who I am and where my boundaries are. Oh my god! You tell one person to put cocoa butter on, guys. One person. <laughs> oh, but no, he 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 literally speaks to economic inequality like Jordan Peele speaks to the black experience. Like Parasite is such a spectacle of excellence when it comes to storytelling and messages in a film that it's hard to compare to anybody. Like, he speaks to economic inequality like Blade Runner speaks to the the idea of self. Like, Mm -hmm. that is the level I put it on. But he's done more films than Jordan Peele and more films that have not done as well. Whereas all three of Jordan Peele's films crushed it mm-hmm. at the box office. Because outside of, what, Parasite and Snowpiercer, I have never heard of any of the other movies. I've heard of Mother because it got a big blitz. Yeah. But um, that's only, I think, because Parasite was such a, a rousing success, right? And, so. and honestly, I had never heard of Host until Scott Sigler brought it up as something he enjoyed, and I ended up looking it up and watching it, and being, oh, that's, ex- that's an excellent yeah. movie. There's a, another short that he's done called Influenza, which makes me go, hmm, I kind of want to see that. So I, you know, this is this is one of the problems that exists, and I was talking about this on one of my Dog Days episodes where I was talking about shorts, is there isn't really a good avenue for people to watch shorts. And shorts are really where a lot of the magic happens. And when you can tell a story in like five minutes or ten minutes, it's amazing. And I love shorts. Pixar has shown us, Pixar has shown us that they make things better. They turn previews for films into something you need to come in early to watch. With Disney Plus, I can go and I can watch all of those Pixar shorts. Uh, Marvel's putting out a bunch of shorts. You know, the, the Team Thor started it, mm-hmm. you know, was one of the things, but also we've got, uh, Hell the King and things like that. And, hmm? Trek shorts. The Trek shorts. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. There's a uh, trouble with Jeffries. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I totally forgot to talk about that on, on dog days. I totally forgot to talk about the trouble with Jeffries because that is an amazing short. The month's um, not over. Hmm. The month, the month, yeah, but I did, I can put all my shorts in one episode and I already did that episode. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the trouble with Jeffries is a fantastic short. There isn't enough avenues for us to find these. So, um, all right, streaming services, Disney plus is doing it. Uh, Netflix, you got to start getting the rights to these shorts. I HBO, mean, you got to start putting out your shorts. Um, give us so some collections. Netflix did that with love and robot. Uh, love, uh, was it, um, uh, love, sex and robots? Okay. Very uh, good. It's a, Both seasons. A, a giant collection. Of, like it's a collection of little mini sci-fi shorts. Some of them, some of them cutesy, some of them not family friendly at all, but, but all like, of them. Could you imagine? You to new directors and new, new, yeah. Could you imagine stories. going to Netflix and saying, let me see all of Bung Su, uh, Bung Jun Ho's shorts, uh, or look mm-hmm. at this director or that director? Yeah. Yes. Tech. That would be great. The Animatrix. The Animatrix. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I've never seen it. Was, um, you never saw the Animatrix? No. Oh, it's um, good. I think it came. Half it came between them... two and three, so I was like, Bleh. no, no. There was the Matrix, and there was the Animatrix. I, I think oh. it's between one and two. That's um, it. The, the thing is, there is, was no other movies. I don't so, know what you're talking about. <laughs> so they're all self. They're all self-contained stories. Half of them are worth watching. The other half yeah. aren't. Uh, one of them is very, very hard to watch. Mm. Um, the soundtrack's amazing, uh, but the soundtrack yeah. is um, absolutely amazing. Um, so I, I will say, in in the spirit of embracing the bad to appreciate the good, there actually were three Matrix movies. Only one of them was worth watching. Is this like the Mandela and Highlander, effect, <laughs> and Highlander Two existed 
but the only decent representation of it was still crud and it was the could renegade it? There cut. could only be one. We acknowledge three and the others, except guys, the source. And the source doesn't exist. Let's let's be honest, guys. If they were going to do shorts, it would just be on your mark on loop. That's what it would be. Because that's, that's just, actually a really good short. Yes. I mean, that's that's just. How a, are it's we a music not video. talking about Hayao Miyazaki? Because I. Listen, I was. We don't need to talk about Hayao Miyazaki. So my third choice is Hayao Miyazaki. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say we have a whole series called Intro to Ghibli where we talk about Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that was obvious. And you guys don't want to get let me have a thirty minute monologue about Isao Takahata and his effect on the psyche of children. In addition to the thirty minute monologue, you do every single Intro to Ghibli. Absolutely. I have to like cut some of it each time. Yeah. Listen, that's so, why Tech does the 30-second synopsis. For Bong Joon-ho, honestly, his worst movie for me is Object. When you compare it to Snowpiercer, Parasite, or Mother, mm-hmm. it is by far the worst of those four films. Okay. Tough for me because I, I've seen only Snowpiercer. I have to tell you, Snowpiercer, just the name make gives me an idea of what the movie is. Because wasn't there like I thought a that was bad a, movie? I thought that was a Bond film. Yeah, wasn't there like this bad movie like a, a, about a train that goes off the rails in the snow or something and a bunch of people get killed? Mm. I, I didn't even And then I keep getting lost him. with that movie about the, the murder in Iceland, you know, Smila's sense of snow. And then I just, <laughs> I just have no idea anymore. I mean, there's yeah. that one where there's the snows, there's the, 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 the zombies in the snow. Yeah. There's just so much. So, so much. Are okay. they not, are they Nazi zombies? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I'm going to yeah. talk about my last director. Um, not Penny Marshall, a different woman. Um, Amy Heckerling. And you may be saying, who's that? Well, this is the woman that her first three movies, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hated it. What? Really? (laughs) Keep going. Even even that one scene? No, that one scene is probably the greatest thing. That makes up for the rest of the movie. Um, Johnny Dangerously. Oh my God. Okay. Love that movie. <laughs> National Lampoon's European Vacation. Okay, also love that movie. But also did the Look Who's Talking. Also did Clueless, Loser. Wow. Mm. Um, okay. Okay. Vamps. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Vamps. Yes. Okay. Vamps. So she did. You said Wait, she did Christmas was, Vacation or was Vamps the European? One we, was Vamps the one we watched together? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Listen, yeah. Listen. Listen. Those are the best jeans in all of Hollywood. End of statement. Period. <laughs> no rant from me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love her. I. It was. I think it was her name that made me watch Vamps, mm. which was a delightful choice. Yeah. So, what's her worst? Ah, uh, probably European Vacation. Of what? Yeah. I've seen. No, no. Maybe. Look but it's talking fantastic. Too. Yeah. No. Look who's talking to. <laughs> no, I would watch Luke who's talking to way before. No, Way before no. European vacation. I'm sorry, because as much as I know that Chevy Chase is a horrible, horrible person, I still enjoy his early work. And I still I still enjoy him in community until I realized he was actually just saying things he believed. But I mean, like, <laughs> like she also she wrote Clueless, the TV series. Mm, yeah. And well, no, she wrote for and directed four of the episodes, but uh, she was not the showrunner. Clueless, mm-hmm. um, the movie was her deal. Um, and actually the reason I watched Clueless is because I knew that she did Fast Times at Richmond High, and I was like, you know what? I'd like to see an updated version of that. I, I think it's a little wanna, less rapey. I do want to hear, hear what the best scene was out of that because, uh, in your mind, because I remember one scene and it definitely <laughs> wasn't that. Is it able to be said? The, the, I'm talking about Phoebe Cates. Listen. Okay. It's even Maybe. referenced in Stranger Things because okay. um, yeah, cause, well. the, so the, they're discussing whether or not a, a particular character in the show is gay. And it's like, you told me she froze, she froze fast times at Ridgemont High at the Phoebe Cates getting out of the water in the red bathing Okay. Yeah. Suit. Yeah. No, no, I she, remember. How could she be straight? <laughs> Listen, and that is a legitimate statement. Like, yeah. Legitimate statement. But, but like, yeah, I, I, I just think that she has this grasp of, um, 
like that, like, like there's something about the teen shows that I love and she's got that. Yeah. Whatever kind of a vibe going, but there's, she hides depth in those movies. Mm -hmm. Like clueless seems like it's all fluff, but there's a lot of really good depth there. Like it's all about accepting you people for who they are and that you shouldn't be try to change them, even though we're just doing Emma. Um, It's, it's also her work also doesn't fall prey to the to the the John Hughes or the John Waters films tropes and issues like comparing her to those two guys you know I'm so confused how those two are connected other than their <laughs> first name uh-huh. is John. I, think, I, think, I think John Hughes is who you're thinking in this case because John Waters completely nope. different genre John Waters no, loves it's... to celebrate the trashy everything set in Baltimore divine is in everything but until she the, passed away but the thing about it is it's that that b level sleaze that corrupts kind of the humor of the movies that isn't in things like fast times at ridgemont high look who's mm. talking like there mm. is some of that gaze in fast times but again it's from the spectrum of a woman so it doesn't hold that same weight as a john waters or john like those would be the contemporary she grew up watching and mm. then said, I'm going to do better and beyond them. And I would say Clueless shatters almost their entire filmography just from the, just from how well Clueless does representing a female character. Like we talked about how, um, Luc Besson loves powerful, strong, independent women. That describes the main character of Clueless, right? I, I, I'm going to have to argue that John Hughes and Amy Heckerling were contemporaries, not yeah, that she would have been influenced. Sixteen Candles came out in 1984, and Fast Times came out in 1982. That's long enough to watch that movie. No, no, no. No, her movie came out first. Oh, oh, so she was before him. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I would say that they're more contemporaries than anything else. And while John Waters is definitely uh was making movies since you know the seventies and so forth. It's a very different genre. I, I, I mm. it's the, the the way I, I categorize them because of the, the the kind of sleazy kind of aspect, right? Like because you don't get that type of raunch. Yeah, but you didn't the, get that in a John Hughes movie either. I don't oh, know, there's bro. Some raunch in the John. Well, movie. I don't know. Suggested raunch in the set. There's yeah. a lot of rapey. Oh no, conversations no, no, no. The conversations yes. had no, in no. Breakfast Club. That's yeah. the thing is those things were there, but they were definitely not as um, evident. I think I we'll think say, what John Waters trying to say like, is that it, yeah. it comes across a little different. And I think one yeah. of the reasons for that is in her movies, the relationships between the women are very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they- women have a lot of strong relationships. And by the way, you should appreciate um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Because it brought to stardom Nicholas one of your Cage. favorite actors. Mm. Yes, Nicolas Cage. Also Matthew McConaughey. He's not in that. Yeah, he has the sleaziest line in that movie. Best Times at Ridgemont High, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the one that he we know him He has the sleaziest for. line in that movie. No, that's the other movie. That's the one with the paddles. Hmm? Matthew McConaughey's way too young to have been in Fast Times. Give me a second here. Oh, you're thinking of... Um... Oh, what's it called? Days and Confused. Days and Confused. Yeah, Days and Confused. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why I got him confused. There we go. I'm Y'all aren't even confused. thinking about the right movie. Ah. <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, he's not in that movie. He is not old enough to okay, be Okay, I was dancing around movie. in my head all the way, all the ways not to say the line. Now I know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That I, I, no, I can, I can honestly, <laughs> the Fast Times are Ridgemont High also. Yeah, I can. Yeah, Nick Cage being in there. Okay, I think yeah, he is, but now I'm not finding his name. Hang on. You know, Nicholas Cage is in it, but yes. also, okay. This brings this movie ties in of yes. all of us because it's your director, Nutty. It By is, the way, he's in that as Nicholas Coppola. It is yes. Yeah. That's why you know it's an early Cage it's, film. It's it's this movie. I believe that I read um, Nick Cage talking about how it was this movie that made him change his name because he was getting all sorts of flack and lines and different things on set. So he ended up changing his name just so that he wouldn't get the same flack the next film he filmed. See, 
He used yes. to tell people that it was because he wanted to see if he could stand on his own name and not off the famous name. And he was like, no, I, I used to tell people that. But in truth, they were just giving me a hard time. Mm. I love the yeah. smell of napalm in the morning. He's like, yes, I've heard that. And the best yeah. part is he doesn't want a famous white man's name. So he took a famous black man's name. Yes, because he named himself after Luke Cage. Yeah, exactly. Because he's a huge fan of, Power of comics. Man. And he just loves comics in general, which is why he's which is why Nicolas Cage is excellent. But this movie, Fast Times Original High, ties us all together because Nicolas Cage is for me and Vox, your director, Nutty. Uh-huh. But Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai, is also in this movie. Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. So Tech is also yes. tied to this movie. The Ghost Dog, I mean, best this samurai movie, ever. This movie has so many people in it. It's It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I can't believe I got them twisted in my head, but there's there's very similar mythology. I, you know, I have always thought that Days and Confused was trying it to was, be it was, Fast mm-hmm. Times, but it was not coming from the same no. perspective. I hate no. that movie so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, Kids can we call got, me. We got, we got two of us then with uh, third director still this left. Be such a long episode. So, mm-hmm. uh, Bats, go ahead, Vox. What's your third? Uh, my third is uh, I thought long and hard about this, but my third is uh, Robert Rodriguez. Okay. co-conspirator with quentin tarantino on many movies but also stands out on his own for having a very broad set of sensibilities in what he made el mariachi and desperado uh along with um <clears throat> along with once a time upon a time in mexico are three of the most well-known or three of my favorite of his movies that trilogy of gunslingers in uh in modern mexico movie or like gunslinger modern mexico movies are great mm-hmm. and as i mentioned uh, like as I, I talked about prior to this he represents my favorite type of director the i'm gonna make this movie work no matter what director when he was doing el mariachi he didn't have the money for guns for his movie he got everybody to where he was filming and went oh we've run out of budget we have all the blanks we need. We just don't have guns. So he made the most ingenious move ever. He reached out to the Federales, knowing that they are probably not the most professional police force in the world, <laughs> and said, hey, guys, do you want to be in my movie? I just need to borrow guns from your evidence locker. You'll get them back. <laughs> and they'd let him, and they were all in the movie. That movie was made on a $20,000 budget. Wow. And it that's, went that's on a tight, to launch. That's a tight budget. Oh, yeah. In 92, that was still a tight budget. Oh, yeah. In any year, that's a tight budget. And he, it went on, he went, it went on. Even less than the budget for clerks. Mm -hmm. It went on to launch a career that spans all sorts of different genres. I mean, he made the Spy Kids movies because he wanted movies his kids could watch. And, and he didn't just launch his career. Uh, Danny Trejo. His second cousin. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Danny Trejo's career is tied to his. In the we're actually family way, not in the way we've discussed about other people where it's love interests uh, that were lost. But um, he's also got like Sin City. One of the if 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 you know nothing about that movie, it evokes an image in your head. And it's black and white. It's a black and white image, yes. which was a, yeah. a brilliant choice. Black and white with a touch of color thrown into it. Right. Just a touch where it mattered in a very Schindler's List way, but more comic book and violent. Right, 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 right. right. And then he's got, you know, Planet Terror, Machete, Machete Kills. Uh, His biggest stinker, Alita Battle Angel. Mm. Um, And he also directed um, one of Tech's favorite uh, commercials. Did he? The Nespresso ads. The Nespresso ads. With George Clooney. Oh. Okay. Are those my favorite? You love those. Do I? The, the, all the George Clooney Nespresso ads with Tony Benedict, with, um, what's his name who played Benedict and, uh, John Malkovich. And it's like a running thing where each builds on the next. Are, are you just playing this because I have a crush on George Clooney? No, <laughs> no. It was like this whole thing a couple of years ago. Is this because I have a crush on Danny Ocean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you do. Yeah. I do but have a giant crush on Danny Ocean because everyone this, should have a crush on Danny Ocean. Espresso the piano for him. He'll go, oh, I love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, also, Vox, mm-hmm. if you don't have a crush on Danny Ocean, you have a crush on Rusty. I have a crush on Rusty. <laughs> Plain and simple. Um, He's I amazing. Call foul, I call foul on that assessment. Look, 
Rusty is the Rusty is the kind of guy that is going to make sure you're fed you, as you, well as loved. You have a crush on John Cheadle's character? On Basher? On Basher? <laughs> His head just dropped. Yes, that is exactly. Um, oh my! Oh my God! Don Cheadle doing a Cockney accent. I, I didn't think I needed this in my so life, bad. but somehow it's there, and I love it. Listen, you already have it, and it's better yeah. than the original. It's called Idris Elba. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, and then of course, there's from dusk till dawn as well, which now all I can think about is snake dancing. But we'll move on. I love till dust to, from dusk till dawn. Yeah. By the way, I absolutely he's, love. He is, it. He's Selma got a Hayek, breadth right? of movie. Yeah, that is Selma Hayek dancing with a with a with a python. Um, but he has got such a breadth of movies, and he started from absolutely nowhere, and that's awesome. That was that was the spirit I wanted. Like that was the the era where I wanted to make movies myself, where I thought about like thought about branching into writing more. And he was one of those early influences. It was like wow. If he can pull that out of 20 grand, maybe I can make movies. And then of course I got distracted by a squirrel. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I agree with you and I agree with your assessment about Alita being his worst movie because mm. to me, um, the whole call about Alita is down to one judgment call where mm-hmm. they gave the character of Alita the giant anime eyes mm-hmm. and no one else in the movie. Now, had they decided to either not give her the eyes and make everybody look normal? Or give everyone this sort of CG'd anime look. I would have been been a bad call too. I think that would have also been a bad call. It would not have been that exactly. It would have been a better call than just giving her the two thirds of my head are eyes look and no one else in the movie. I got a fun fact about that, right? Okay. So that's actually what the actress looks like. She's a mutant. She grew up too close to Chernobyl. (laughs) No. So the director, (laughs) when uh, they did test screenings, fans complained about the eyes. Mm -hmm. So do you know what he did to correct it? No. He made them 0.25 times bigger. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, they hate the eyes. Too bad. We're making them bigger. (laughs) That's exactly what he did. And honestly, that is my only complaint about Battle Angel Alita is those eyes. I don't the eyes are a big complaint, but I kind of like his response. Yeah, it's <laughs> the best troll, right? Like you just like, lean into it. Like yeah, I don't, I don't like, like I don't like your actress. Her boobs are too big. We're making them bigger. Get the bike pump. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Like he no. he's like let's like you guys want to critique these you know this thing I'm doing. Let's see if you can actually pay attention to what I'm doing. Because uh, how many know. of them guys you think noticed it? That's like saying though that people complained that you were whitewashing a movie, so you just went and hired Scarlett Johansson. That's what they did. <laughs> That's what they do. Because <laughs> she can play any or, role. Or Charlize Theron. All right, Tech, finish us off. Okay, hey, so she's I, South African. She can- I I want to finish us off. Yeah, okay, but, but we're not talking about her. Uh, I want to finish us off with a good old fashioned nutty debate because I can't pick. So okay. I want you guys to pick for me, and I want you guys to fight over who my choice is. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, Nutty. I know you're tired, but too bad. Ah! So we've either got Clive Barker, the creator of Hellraiser, Candyman, and executive producer of Gods and Monsters, and famed sex worker, and and famed sex worker, absolutely former, former. Yes, He's not famed for his sex work. No, oh no, it made me feel better about him, and. So, Clive Barker versus Wes Craven, creator of Nightmare on Elm Street and The Hills Have Eyes, Last House on the Left, People Under the Stair, Red Eye, Shocker, and even Vampire in Brooklyn. I'm going to go. Clive Barker, he's got more to say. Mm. And, oh, not you. Yeah, but. Oh, go ahead. but, But who created the more enduring icon of horror? Oh, Hellraiser's oh. up. Pinhead's up there, man. Pinhead's Be- up there, but between Pinhead, Pinhead becomes Scary Terry. Yeah, but, but Rick between, and Morty excellent stuff. show. But between Pinhead, Candyman, and Freddy, mm. all three of them are hugely important horror yeah. icons. And sadly, Ghostface. Yes, he did do Ghostface. Mm-hmm. He brought, yeah, yeah. 
He uh, and yeah, Ghostface from Scream. Back, yes, absolutely. He brought yes. back the iconic slasher movie in a gloriously wonderful way with Scream. And he also did The Hills Have Eyes. West yeah. Craven, you mean? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. 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 But I still think Swamp that Thing. Clive Barker has more to say. Now the question is, I can definitely pick out the worst movies from West Craven versus the worst movies from Clive but Barker. You're, you're, you're gonna Clive say, Barker just doesn't have enough movies. No, but you're gonna say the worst movie from West Craven is The Vampire in Brooklyn, but that's a that is that is classic. That is I mean there's there's so many to choose from. I could choose any of the screams as well. <laughs> Music the, the, of the heart. <laughs> what? That is not one of his movies. Yes, it is. Not that he directed. Yes, Here. he did. Oh my god, it is <laughs> <laughs> Starring Meryl Streep and Angela Bassett, Gloria Estefan. It's it's based on a true story about a teacher in New York City. They were cutting the funding to the music department, and she raises money to keep the music department going. Also, his only movie to receive an Oscar nomination. Here's the the tea, okay? You want the tea? Mm -hmm. That teacher, once she got paid... Once she actually got money for mm-hmm. selling her story, mm-hmm. she quit and abandoned this music program yeah. that was supposed to be so important to her. Listen. She didn't care about the music program. It was to save her job. Duckets, Just bro. saying. Duckets. <laughs> and honestly, you don't get that much money from, I mean, I know, I know New York City school teachers don't She's get that much money. Gotta get the money, Skrilla. So. Dollar, so. dollar bills, y'all. Exactly. So I gotta lean with Nutty. I gotta go Clive Barker. Okay. And I'm gonna go Clive Barker for even if my name is Freddie. And your name is is and your name is Jason. (laughs) I'm gonna go because Clive Barker did the midnight meat train. Uh, wait, knowing what Clive Barker used to yeah, do for no. a living, I don't think no, I no, need no. to see this movie. No, that I, movie's excellent. I've seen excellent. that movie. That's Vinnie Jones. It's Vinnie Jones at his scariest. And, and he's, he's scary in everything. Because he's Vinnie Jones. <laughs> yeah. So you got the Midnight Meat Train. You got the Midnight Meat Train. A Hellraiser, uh, Hellraiser of course. But you also have Nightbreed, which are another classic horror film. But there's one that we all agree is the sexiest horror movie villain in all of horror. Even with a mouthful of bees. Even with a mouthful of bees, he did Candyman. I was hey, going to say that's... Chucky. Chucky's not in any of his. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, uh, Ma- Mark Hamill did the voice of the new Chucky, and I'm with it. I, yeah, I'm it's good. good. That's good. Here's, yeah, it's good. Here's good. here's my fear. Hmm? My fear is that Clive uh, is that. Uh, Good old Clive is going to ruin his legacy with this year's re- uh, this year's new reimagining of Hellraiser. Reimagining, honestly, it's, I don't know if it's a reimagining, a sequel, or a reboot, but it's coming out this year. My thing is, if you had time to cut off the production of your movie, both after you know the 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 new Jordan Kilwin slept, produced one came out, you should have because that movie did yours better, a little bit better. So apparently the new Hellraiser scheduled for release exclusively on Hulu this year. Okay. You know I'm what? not seeing a directing credit for that though. But you know what? I'll oh. take I'll take it Directed back. Directed by David Bruckner. Yeah. Weird, because they listed it under his filmography. Yes, yeah, they did. That Isn't that weird? He's getting credited oh, because it's okay. based on Wait, he directed three movies. Yeah. Yeah, but they're all good. No, he directed Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and Lord of Illusions. Yep. He didn't actually direct Candyman, but but they're based on his stories. He wrote yeah. can no he wrote yeah, Candyman. Yeah, no he wrote the movie Candyman. Mm-hmm. So it's based on his. Yeah. You know, he, he much like we've talked. Some of these writers, or mm-hmm. sorry, some of these directors are also writers. Yeah, and you know sometimes you kind of forget because you you think oh because it's from the mind of but yeah no it's uh. Yeah, he wrote the book. I think uh, uh, so. it was in a, a collection of stories. I cannot think of the name because we talked about it on the Candyman episode. Yes, it was uh, directed yeah. by Bernard Rose. But really, I believe what we were uh, discussing on it was that it was there was a lot of Clive Barker in the yeah. direction as well. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, I don't know. Uh, Wes Craven 
for me just is one of those it's one it's one of the names that I when I hear when I hear Wes Craven's name I think horror. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I hear Clive Barker <laughs> I get him mixed up with Clive Cussler and I think of novels Under, I don't want to ever read. Underwater submarine stuff that yeah, he used I to read of, as a kid. <laughs> I think of really hokey, freaking like really hokey Navy stories. Yeah, um, I read all those books. I'm not. There's nothing wrong with them no. if you like them, but <laughs> I didn't. Uh, they, they were cornball, and that was great. Yeah. Um. I oh, I had another name that just came into my head that uh, has now uh, popped away. But uh, yeah. Um. So we need to talk. Yeah. So we've talked about Wes Craven. We've talked about. Uh, Clive Barker. Uh, who else do we need to talk about? Nutty. That's it. We've all done three. Lightning round. Yeah. No, we've done three. That's I was it. gonna. I was gonna say I had. I had one name for a lightning round. If I wish I watched more of their movies. Yes. Fritz Lang, Metropolis, if... M. Oh. Some of the most visually. He's a director that you know what he wrote, what he made, without ever having seen it, right? Okay. If or without ever having heard his name. Um, or this my, is a classic, like 1920s, 1930s yeah. through 50s yeah. level, level movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm going to say we're going to wrap it up and we're going to ask the listeners who are some directors that if you see their name attached to a project, you tell yourself you're going to watch them, that movie. Uh, so you can always share that either in the Discord, which is my favorite place to talk, uh, in the Facebook group, or in any of the details in the outro. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I really appreciate having all of you here with me. And I'm going to make you all stick around for just a little bit more because mm-hmm. we need to thank our patrons, without whom we would not be putting out two episodes a month, even during dog days, which is quite fair, the feat. To Nettie, I want to say, this is the first time I've been around for thanking the patrons in yeah, a long do, time. I usually do it, uh, hey, I usually hey, do Jason, it afterwards. Is there a patron you'd like to thank personally? Oh, yes. Yes, there is. And that would be Jax, our top tier Big Daddy patron, correct? No, it would not. Yes, it would be. And then maybe you might also want to thank our, our next patron, our next uh, uh, Big Daddy. No, no, I wouldn't. That, oh, you who's, don't. Who's not, even my, not even myself. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to thank Jason for being one of the Big Daddies. And I'm also going to thank Rich the TT for being our third Big Daddy. I know it's called the Nimla Studio Street Team, but really, y'all have made it the Big Daddy Team. So thank you so much, all of you. Thank you, daddies. Um, Jax may have to tell me where I missed an edit in this episode. I also want to thank our patrons of the arts. Andy, Luke, and brand new patrons, drum roll, Kaylin, thank you so much for becoming a brand new patron of the arts. Thanks, Kaylin. Thank you to Mark Cabot, to the encaffeinated one, to, go ahead, Jason. <coughs> Hold on, let me get in close to my... <clears throat> oh my gosh, you should have prepared for this. I don't know, I, I had to get my voice right, because this was the correct voice for Melissa the bathtub mermaid and you really need to be listening to our episodes lately from may may del mar actual woman of the sea actual woman of the sea killing me they are making me laugh so much and thank you to Susanna as well that is going to round up our patrons of the arts but we also want to thank all the other patrons without whom we would not have the lights on which I only have one little strip of LEDs here but that just tells you how it goes or be able to pay our server fees so thank you so much to Shane Uncle Monster Grig Harold Hugh Ian Justine Ken Kinsey, Crazy Joe Adventures. Welcome to the team. I believe I've already read your name out loud, but he's also new. Mike, Patrick, the Radical Geek, Stephen, Will, and Zach Man. Thanks so much, everyone. I really appreciate it. And on that note, thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 I'm going to go see Idris Elba fight a lion. Bye.
Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-NUTTY42. is crafted to be perfectly sized for today's soundbite mindset. Join me and encounter myths and fairy tales from new perspectives. Walk with werewolves. Visit with vampires. Frolic with fairies. Gab with ghosts. And, yes, meet up with mermaids. This is Miss Melissa, the bathtub mermaid, inviting you to two-time Parsec-nominated Tales from the Tub. Dive in at www.bathtubmermaid.com. 